This is Suzanne York from Humans Optimized. We believe that advances in technology, coupled with elevated human skills, create immense opportunity in the future of work. Now, with the upheaval of COVID-19, our future has quickly become today's reality. Through the uncertainty, fear, and concern of the pandemic, we find stories of human resilience, innovation, and hope. Join us as we share our experiences, discuss what may be ahead, and explore together how we can come back stronger than we were before. Businesses, charities, churches, and families are all feeling the impacts of COVID-19. Today, I'm honored to have Paul Herring, CEO of 101 Solutions and chair to multiple charities, one of my career mentors and now friend, join me in a discussion to explore multiple perspectives of this unprecedented time. Paul, welcome, and thank you so much for talking with me today. Of course, it's my pleasure. We get to talk quite often, and so I know that this will be a really great conversation. Uh, You are a leader in so many arenas of your life, and I was hoping that to learn more about what has, um, tell us more about your businesses, your charities, and other ventures, and what's been happening over the past few weeks and now into months as we've launched into this time period. Yeah, I mean, we're, uh, we are very blessed and fortunate to, have had a great corporate career uh, that ended in 2017 when I retired from Nike and as an executive there. And uh, the primary driver behind my retirement was the idea that I felt like I needed to give more uh, to the communities that I had come from uh, and the people that I was interacting with than that job allowed me to do. And so in 2017, I formed uh, my company, which is 101 Solutions, which is a small consulting company where we focus on the things that I did and that the rest of us did uh, who worked at Nike um, and that we wanted to do for other companies, primarily smaller companies. And then I wanted to split my time uh, with some charitable endeavors. And uh, we've been able to to start one charity uh, and then we are the chair of two others. And the focus of all of those charities is how do we uh, give things to people who are starting out in their lives uh, or that have a particular need uh, that we have access to or that we've gone through and can see a way that they may not see to get out of a situation that they're in. Uh, so we're, we're trying to just basically uh, equip people with the tools we wish someone would have equipped us with, uh, because while our journey was incredibly successful, it was much harder than it needed to be. And mm-hmm. so that's the focus of the of the charities that we support. And the diverse nature of the work that you do with the charities and with the businesses, and then also supporting your family. You've got families on both coasts that you support. Mm-hmm. Your time and your attention goes in so many different what places. How have you how have you found it helpful to bring together your many different ventures in the way that you work with everyone? Yeah, I <laughs> I'm I'm an engineer by trade, right? So I was trained to be an engineer and engineers typically have equations for uh, all problems. And for this idea of allocating my time and my effort and the amount of time I'm thinking about things, uh, I started out with an equation, uh, which just comes from that engineering mindset. Um, And I I literally set target goals for each each particular endeavor and how many hours I was going to spend. And obviously, you, uh, you then, if you set a measure, you need to 
check it occasionally. And so we've adjusted it a lot over time, uh, just like everybody else. When, uh, you know, when a wheel comes off, we stop and put the wheel back on. But generally, we try and divide our time uh, about 40% toward our business, which uh, provides the funding for a lot of the charitable endeavors that we do, uh, 30% for the charities that we're a part of, uh, and then 30% for self-investment, renewal, and time with uh, the kids, and especially time with the grandkids, as much time as we can get with them, because that drives energy for the rest of the work. I think that's a great way to think about it. And you've coached and helped me through my changes and shifts in priorities over the over the years as I've become a mom and taken on different ventures as well. So it's it's a really mm-hmm. useful way of thinking about it. And yet with COVID-19, the formula has shifted. What has it been like for you over the past couple of weeks? I know that some of the consulting work has shifted and some of the focus you've you've given to the charities has shifted. What has, has your experience been like? Yeah, it's it's a unique experience, right? Because uh, I've shared with a couple of people that the only other time in my life since I started full-time work at the age of 15 um, that I've really taken a downtime or a break uh, to kind of sit and relax and, you know, think about things. The only other time I've done that is when I was going through chemotherapy. Um, and, you know, obviously that's a little different. Uh, because you're not given a lot of choice about, you know, you're, you are going to sit and think about things a lot differently when you have cancer. Um, and so I'd never really had another opportunity like COVID has been for me, where I was able to just stop and say, okay, you literally can't do anything. And that thing that you have been after, which is the time to be at home and invest in uh, your personal hobbies and the things that you enjoy doing and reading that book you've been wanting to get to, All of those things are here and we're going to take an extended spring break for a couple of weeks while COVID gets worked out. Um, And, you know, that'll be great. Um, And then those two weeks became six weeks. Um, And at the end of that six weeks, um, I had a very clear realization that the thing I've been seeking for the majority of my career, which is the opportunity to stop working, was not actually what I wanted or what would fulfill me personally. And so I've been able to shift from you know, COVID is a break and I'll work when I'm able to get on an airplane again um, to just this week, actually, uh, thinking of this is just my new normal. Uh, and now I'm going to go to work at the same capacity I would if I had gotten on a plane and traveled to a client. So so for me, it's given me an opportunity to, to realize a dream of, uh, you know, being able to do whatever I wanted to each day for a few weeks. Um, and then to realize that one of the things I want to do is work and help others. And so uh, the combination of that has allowed me to get back to work. Well, the, refle- the reflection that's happening for many is quite remarkable during this time. I think you're right. We, we think we want certain things. And then once we get them, we're surprised that that actually wasn't the, the goal. That wasn't what I needed to feel fulfilled or needed to make a difference in this world. Yeah, and while I, I think that that is the big picture for me, the the smaller picture, you know, the things that kind of appear inside of this that have made me question a few things about my own priorities is the connection that I've had with my family during this time. Um, even though we aren't physically connected, we have been more connected uh, on a daily basis than we have ever been before. Um, because, you know, my wife and my uh, daughter and my sister have started doing a a weekly Bible study, and they've never had the opportunity to sit and talk together like that before. And then we've adopted House Party as an app, 
Um, and pretty much the whole family gets on board and, you know, we, we're getting together more, even though it's virtual, uh, than we got together, uh, physically prior to this. And so those things, uh, I want to keep, um, and then, you know, just because we've been home more, we've been eating healthier and working out better and, and all of those things. So I'm going to try and make sure that we keep the things that have been useful while we shift to this new reality. That's really impactful to hear just the difference in the way that you're connecting in a time when we need to be really disconnected physically. Mm-hmm. And that the solidarity in this experience is coming through in a lot of the conversations I'm having. Like we could have done all those things before. Yes. Um, but yet the fact that everybody's doing the same thing on a Tuesday now makes it a little more possible to come together in, in new and different ways and, and leveraging technology as well. Yeah, I think, I think it allows us to reset our priority list, right? Because our, our priority list prior to this would have been uh, work is number one, work is number two, work is number three. Um, and then somewhere down the list, uh, you know, there's, there's this idea of just spending quality time with your extended family. Um, and, you know, maybe you have a family reunion each year. We've gotten to the point where we're having a mini family reunion each week and just checking in on what's going on. And the fact that we can see, you know, for our group, it's 10 people. The fact that we can see 10 people on the screen at one time talking to each other without a whole lot of effort, you know, 30 minutes in and you're out, um, has been a big win. And I, I want to make sure that we keep going with that. Yeah. And technology is fascinating for me. It always has been. And I know it's played an important role in your career as well. And I'm really in the innovation that's coming right now, when people had been somewhat reticent to adopt it, they've been taking it in with leaps and bounds. And even generational differences that might have appeared with technology are sort of fading a little. Have you seen that? Have you seen a greater adoption of technology? Or what is your point of view on the role that it's playing now? Yeah, I mean, it's been fascinating. I think probably the um, the, the two examples I would give, uh, we we had an, a university reach out to us and say, hey, we, uh, we had wanted to be able to take our classrooms online uh, and we wanted to understand how to deliver that. And could you stand that up for us over the next 10 days so that we can start delivering classes? Um, those are the kind of questions that we're getting from people. And, you know, they might have had it in a long-term strategic plan looking three to five years out. And now they're starting to say, hey, if I don't deliver online, given how this is going to come out, uh, I could become irrelevant. Um, and then the secondary question for them has become, you know, what do we do? Uh, what do we do about the infrastructure that we have, the physical infrastructure, real estate and all that? So this is driving some big considerations for people about, how enterprises, especially educational enterprises, at least, at least initially for us, um, are set up. And then the other technology adoption component uh, that we've seen is at our church, which is, you know, multi-generational. Um, we started having Zoom church. And, you know, for, uh, for the people who use Zoom every day, uh, not a big change. For the people who don't know what you're talking about, it's a huge change. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this, this idea that I want to be engaged um, and the only method I now have is a new one, not one that I've known for the last 50 years, has driven a tremendous, uh, tremendously fast adoption rate um, because, you know, people basically said I can do this or nothing um, and I want to do something. So the adoption rate has been incredibly high. Um, yeah. 
I think the only other thing that I would talk a little bit about with the with the idea of technology, one of our charities wanted to um, move to the ability to do um, you know, webcast or, or online seminars, that kind of thing. One of the charities that we uh, support and are part of uh, has conferences. And uh, obviously right now we can't gather. And so their question was, you know, what, what could we do to create an online version of what we do in person? Um, and so they started looking at what do they need to invest in order to make that happen? And for us, the equation around uh, investment and in innovation now versus preservation of capital, right? So everybody's also looking at uh, how do I save everything that I have because we don't know how long this lasts. This idea of how you make a choice between uh, should I be investing for the future right now with the scarce resources that most of us have and consider available from a capital investment perspective, um, you know, how do you make those decisions? And, and we went through a process of just talking about what we thought the future was going to look like, making our best guesses uh, of what we thought the future was going to look like, and did it make sense to make those investments now? And and the board decided that it did make sense to make those investments, even in this time of uncertainty, because we wanted to not only be prepared for what happened uh, in the future, we wanted to create a new future uh, for uh, for this particular charity and the endeavor that they pursue. It really is a, a set of challenging questions to answer, partly because we don't always know even the question to ask, let alone the answer that comes with it. Mm-hmm. And so to your point of creating scenarios and the likelihood of those scenarios, and then what would it take to either, you know, if it's a risk, how do you mitigate that risk? Or if it's an opportunity, how do you get in front of it to your point, not only to capitalize on it, but to create it, to change it, to influence it? Um, and, and these are big questions that I think people are asking at micro and macro levels. The phrase that I've probably heard a million times at this point is, if you want to predict the future, create the future. Mm. Um, and that's where we ended up, right? If you're trying to figure out what's going to happen, uh, just go ahead and create what's going to happen. Uh, and, you know, especially if you can have a relatively low cost uh, pursuit to test, right? Because we... We believe in my for pay consulting business uh, and in the other work that we do that you should always do a small prototype of what you're thinking because it keeps risk low um, mm-hmm. because the investment is low. The investment of time, personal capital and, and you know, and actual dollars, it keeps all of those things low. So we're going to prototype and see what happens and get feedback from the consumer base and uh, continue to iterate quickly. Um, so that we can get to the best solution for the folks that we're trying to serve. Yeah, the agility in that approach really does allow you to have a theory, test it out, and then get, gather the learnings that you need to make the adjustments to keep going. Yes. Yeah, that's great. I think the the idea of people grappling with, the well, what's next when I can't even picture it, having conversations with people who can see the possibilities is really helpful. And I know for you in particular, you have had such a vast um, array of experiences, whether it was at Nike or through your other work and charity experiences. Tell us more about what you're doing and your company's doing to give people a view into the possibilities when they may be even blind to, to those ideas. Yeah, I think the the first thing that we're trying to do uh, to give people a view into the future and what the possibilities are is make sure that we've stabilized their present. Um, 
you know, the as we went into the first week with a couple of our major clients, uh, they were not asking us, uh, you know, how do we perfect our swim stroke? They were saying, hey, we we think we're going down. Do you have a life jacket? Um, and so, you know, just the idea and, you know, the, the, the example that I'm sure everybody's working through, which is how do we extend the infrastructure of our enterprise from inside the four walls that contain our workforce to every home <laughs> that all of these people are at because we're sending them home uh, right. and we need to keep them working. Um, and so, you know, the first thing that we did, and we knew that this would have a catalyst effect, but you don't really have that conversation while the person's trying to figure out how to, how to, how to stay above water. So what we did is we put in place the infrastructure that extended the enterprise in a couple of those places, uh, to home. And it went amazingly well, uh, once we clarified for folks, the expectations of, uh, how those things work, because there's just a lot more variables when you extend the enterprise outside the four walls. And so people are going to get different performance and that kind of thing. So there were some bumps. But once you had that in place, just like the universities that we were working with, they began to ask the question, um, okay, well, how much of this could we do all the time? Um, you know, what what's the opportunity for us to extend the enterprise in this way physically and if in so doing, how do we make that uh, create an attractive draw for the workforce? Uh, one, because a lot of people like working from home. And how do we give them some balance of options about maybe they could work a more flexible schedule? Uh, a lot of questions started to come up. And, and and we're focusing most of the things around where we see innovations that are going to be sustainable for the future around the questions that are coming up from stabilizing the enterprise. Mm. Yeah, the cycle has been interesting. So in the beginning, when it all hit us at once, it was very much more like a crisis moment, mm -hmm. and making sense of the world and getting our feet underneath us and just having a sense of safety instead of fear. And to your point, I've seen that those conversations then evolve from we're in crisis to, okay, we're in survival mode. And now I think we've been in survival mode long enough that people are, it, some of it has become routine and, and predictable, which has been helpful for the sense of stability. And as we look ahead, now people are getting curious. And so we've gone from fear to curiosity. And that mm -hmm. curiosity is exciting for me because I think we're, that's where we're going to see people willing to talk about new possibilities. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting time anytime there is a crisis in how the mindset uh, shifts. When I, when I went to work at Nike in 1996, Nike was absolutely top-notch uh, top growing 100% a year, everything was going fantastically, um, and they really just couldn't do anything wrong. And in 1997, everybody decided they wanted to have brown shoes. Um, and Nike was not making any brown shoes. They only were making the shoes that go on the athletic courts. And what, what happened is the stock fell, the amount of money to invest fell, the confidence inside the enterprise that no matter what they did, it was right, fell. And what opened up for all of us to come into that situation was this brand new sense of what's possible uh, and how do we create, right? And when you're hyper successful and everything's going perfectly well, you don't ask those questions in the same way with the same genuine curiosity about how to make things better. Um, because when I went in 96, any idea I had, no one was interested. When things started to fall out and everybody, you know, the fear started to come along, that fear generated this intense desire to figure out how do we do it better, right? And so 
over the course of my career, I've seen several cycles like what we've seen with COVID where fear generates an opportunity in a group of people who are much more willing to explore. And those explorations yield things that they look back on later and go, wow, that thing that looked really bad, that was a fantastic opportunity for us. And I'm hoping and I believe that that's what's going to happen and come out of this. Yeah, I do think it's a catalyst for a lot of new things that we will look back on. It'll take us a little time, but there are things that will come from this that that will give us an appreciation for this experience. Yeah, pri- primarily the availability of uh, toilet paper. Yes, <laughs> it's such a strange. That is, <laughs> yeah, such that, a strange is that is that has been the strange. <laughs> that's been the strangest one. I mean, you 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 have these funny things that you remember out of events like that. And I think it points to the idea that uh, when you're under stress, laughter helps. Um, yes. And so I, I think it's been great for everybody to be able to, you know, establish a new currency uh, with with the things that you need that are typically always there. So. Yeah, I think that's so true. It's been great to see people bring their talents forward to help us get through this because we're still in this. And that's what's yeah. remarkable for me is that we're not able to reintegrate and, and move towards recovery and rebuilding yet. Um, and so we still have a road to go in this. And I, I think your point is well made, like, okay, let's figure out how to support each other in different ways because this we, <laughs> this is hard. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it, it, it's also, you know, it's an opportunity if you're thinking about how can you help if you're young and not one of the people. And by young, I just mean you're not one of the people that are in the classes of people who are at higher risk. Or if you don't have any of those higher risk designations, the opportunities to help have grown tremendously. And the time that you have uh, to be available to others to help uh, has grown. We're We're going after this interview to do our weekly delivery for the uh, age in place community that my parents live in. And we're trying to make sure that, you know, if they need something or if other people need something, we're the ones going into the stores to get it and and get it delivered to them. And it's been, um, it's been really fulfilling to do that. And then it's also just nice that things like that show people that you love them. And that's always helpful. Mm, I think that's interesting to think about what does help look like now when before we, I felt personally, I had less time. So my help came in the form of monetary donations. Mm-hmm. Well, now I have a different view of time and, and I'm a little concerned about money. So to your point on capital preservation right now, I can imagine that it is affecting charities because people are holding back, but maybe there's a different way I can help them that I couldn't before. Yeah, that that is what we're seeing, right? People are people are having more time to help, um, and they're uh, more cautious about committing capital, but just because they they aren't clear about what's going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. And I and I think that's a, that's a justified concern. We're in the same situation uh, where we're blessed to you know to not have to worry about things that are happening this month, but with the number of things that we're involved in, that could change quickly. Uh, you know, especially when people saw what they did just a just a few weeks ago. I mean, if you're highly invested in the stock market, 30% of whatever you considered your personal wealth was gone. Um, and if that happens in a couple of weeks, that can shake you. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, and, and making sense of it, I think is the hardest part. It, it has been for me making sense of it from what do I do now? What does this mean for later? And then when you get to the point where too much information is coming in, needing to take a break from it for a little while. Um, it's been interesting, right? Because when it first happened and the 
stock market decline and all of that. And like I said, we're, we're invested in a lot of different charities and things. And you, you start to wonder, is this going to affect my ability to help people? And for the people that we're giving to, it, it's not a question of, you know, would I like to have this or not this month? It's they need this this month in order to operate. And so you start thinking about, you know, what are the impacts that you're going to have? And my initial reaction was just fear, uh, which I think anybody would have uh, when you see just everything that you consider uh, the places that you draw stability from sort of falling apart. Um, and one of the um, one of the Bible verses when I had cancer that was uh, important to me was the idea of faith over fear. Um, and it's in Timothy. And, you know, it just talks about the idea that you're not necessarily going to understand all of this. But uh, if you look back over the course of your life at the times when you've been in trouble, uh, if you have seen yourself come out of that trouble, and most of us have, uh, then you can have faith that you're probably going to come out of this too. And as I started to just focus on the idea that I have faith that I've been fine before and I'll be fine in the future, whatever the new fine looks like, uh, I was able to get a tremendous amount of peace uh, from that idea. Mm, that really it strikes me as the, the resilience that we're seeing in people um, and the idea that we do come back stronger for, from times like this. And it, sometimes it takes a, a rear view mirror perspective to help us see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is what spurred this com- the conversations that I'm having with folks is this, we know we will be okay through this and at, after this. And so what can we be doing now? And we've hit on a little bit of that, but I'd love to get your perspective on two things. What, what can we do now so that we will come back stronger? And what would you like to see different a year from now as, as a result of having gone through this? Yeah, I mean, I think the the first thing, what would you do to be stronger as we come out of this is, and I talked a little bit about this before, make a list because physical lists are incredibly helpful uh, in trying to remember what you were thinking at a time in the past. So literally write down what are the five to 10 things that you have been doing during this time that you find valuable and that you want to continue doing. Uh, Because I think sometimes people don't realize the, the in these shifts, they have they have started doing some things differently that they would want to preserve. So if you've got if you've got something like that happening, make sure you write it down uh, so that you can remember to put it on your priority list in the future and then allocate time to it um, in the future. And as you start to think about uh, preparing for the future, I think this is an incredible time to invest in your own skill set. Um, I joined Masterclass. Uh, there's also a bunch of online uh, online uh, tool sets that are out there now where you can for free, uh, other than the cost of your time, uh, invest in enhancing your particular skill set. So, you know, if you think about a career for someone and how they're going to invest in themselves, the idea that they could do at-home learning for four to six weeks while still potentially drawing some sort of pay um, is a unique idea. So find a find a career path or idea that you have always wanted to pursue and invest in making yourself better in that space. So that's what I would do from a personal perspective. And then finally, from a business perspective, I think, uh, look at how this has challenged you, whatever your particular business is, and how this has challenged you. And then think about how you want to make yourself more profitable in this time. And then how you want to make yourself more profitable long term in light of what you've learned relative to this particular circumstance. 
And I think any of those approaches are going to help. Um, and just spending time thinking uh, about those things and thinking about the future will uncover some things that uh, that that you might not have thought of until this point. Mm. And through all of that, I hear a lot of being deliberate and being reflective. And what I've noticed is that people have been generous with their time as well. And when you talk about furthering your skill set, some people may not even recognize the possibilities of what they could do with their transferable skills. Mm -hmm. And so I've been encouraging people to reach out and talk with someone. If, if you wanted to go into biotech and you haven't been in it, people would be, have been really great about doing informational discussions and just connecting. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I, thinking back to your, your point on using this time to increase your own skill set, and remember that you're not alone in doing that. People are want to help. And so reaching out and, and creating a conversation that maybe you wouldn't have been inspired to do before, I think can yes. can really set you on a on an interesting path too. Yeah, we we've definitely seen uh, an uptick in the number of people that are that are taking calls as an example right now just because they're curious about, yeah. you know, what's out there and what's going on and so how do you uh, how do you take advantage of the fact that there are a lot of people who normally are uh, engaged highly in their workplace every day and who are a little less engaged right now? Um, you could probably find a lot of people who are willing to coach you uh, about how they got to where they are in their career uh, and that would be thrilled to do it and they have time to do it. So it's a right. great opportunity. Yeah. And I've seen organizations be generous with their content and their webinars. And so there's mm -hmm. there's definitely a, a, a lot of information out there that we can avail ourselves with during this unique time. Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, we've talked about some really amazing topics, everything from being um, thoughtful about your investments right now so that you can spur the right innovation and create the future, to being deliberate and checking in with yourself on how are you doing and how are others doing. Is there anything else that you were hoping that we could cover today? No, I think that's a good, um, that's a good summary list. And, and it, and it is the things that I've been focused on and, and that I've been, and because I'm focused on those things, been able to keep a very positive attitude throughout the, throughout the uh, time that I've been at home. Well, your resilience and your stability and your coaching for many, I know, has been um, a gift during this time. So I appreciate it, and I know others do as well. And yeah, I'm sure people would love to talk with you. So how can people reach out to you if they would like to connect or learn more about you or any of the work that you're doing? Yeah, probably the easiest way is, uh, and, you know, we have a, we have a website, uh, 101sbc.com. Uh, so... Uh, we're also, you can also Google us and find us. We're 101 Solutions Consulting. Um, and uh, we're happy to talk if it's about business and then, uh, you know, reach out and connect on LinkedIn or something like that. I'm pretty easy to find there and uh, happy to support people in any way we can. Well, great. Well, Paul, thank you for the work that you do, not only for 101 and the team there, but also for all the community church and families that you work with as well. So thank you for your time and best of luck through this crazy moment. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love to share your stories to help all of us come back stronger than we were before. For more information and to contact us, visit www.humansoptimized.com.